A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Supercoach Podcast. You're on again this week with JB, and I'm joined by the illustrious Pistol. Before you talk, Pistol, I do need to say again, we are powered by Code Sports, so thanks very much for their sponsorship. That's that's who we're powered by again in this podcast. How are you, mate? I'm feeling a lot better this week after the... the good, I was going to say good. last week, but like our, compared to the entire season... Um, it was a nice bounce back this week. It always feels good to get a green arrow, doesn't it? It well, always feels good. Well, we haven't had one in a long time. So, uh, yeah, scoring uh, two five four two, which was quite nice because I finally got out of the 40Ks, which is awful. Um, almost halved my rank, I guess, down to 27,000, which, again, plenty of work to do, JB, but feeling like I'm in a, a position to a, attack now. Um, so, yeah, how did you go? I think it's a bit of a feel-good week for both of us. So, 25.83 from me. Um, I halved my rank as well from about 23, 24K down to 12,000. Um, so, I'm I'm ready to put an assault on the top 10K. I have been top 10K uh, at some point this year, but then I dropped back out. Uh, and now now I'm trying to, to sort of sneak my way back in. So, look, at the end of the day, um, I, I, we said this last week, it is such a long season um, and the good coaches react faster than, I don't want to say the bad coaches because I, I think obviously even, you don't have to be a bad coach to be ranked well and, and still finish poorly. But anyway, the good coaches, the ones that have been doing it for a very long time, are so quick to react and, and fix their team. And I think we're starting to see a little bit of that at the moment. Um, and not even to say that we're good coaches, Pistol. I sound cocky, but um, just for anyone who thinks that they're struggling at the moment, if they're starting to see a little bit of gain at this point of the season, coming up to the buyers where 
a lot of the the seasoned coaches make their real assault on on the rankings. There is so much time to go. It's not throw the rule book rule book out um, at this stage. So I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for a, a huge. I mean, we still have like 15 weeks to go. <laughs> There's plenty of time. And shout out uh, to Chris Moy. Um, you might remember last week uh, he captained Withered and finished 13th for the week. Uh, this week he finished 26th for the week and has gone now from 32,000 to 750th in just two weeks. So it goes to show how tight it is at the top. So he's essentially he's, he's gone from the 32,000th ranked team to the number one ranked team over. So from the first five weeks, he was 32,000th in the entire competition. The ne- the following two weeks, he's number one. That's crazy. Without so anyone's put more points on the board in, in a two-week sample size. But how do you, how do you go from 32K to one in, in just a drop of a hat is incredible. So... Um, yeah, I guess I've never heard it's anything just, like that kudos. before. <laughs> it's just kudos. It's just kudos. Gives me faith. It just goes to show. Yeah, exactly. It, it gives. I hope it gives a lot of people faith because there's a lot of good coaches out there um, that aren't seeing the results that they usually do. And I mean, we we adapt, or we react, and we adapt. It takes so two weeks. That's all. It's all it takes. Um, I'm going to jump through the Patreon signups. We did have a few good ones this week. So. Um, the general signed up. Thank you very much to you. Thorza Brooks. Yes. Um, ben signed up. Lucas. Oh, geez. I haven't looked into this. Um, Kondovrakis. This is, this is one where you need to message JB and let us know how he went. Wait, let me try it. Kondovrakis. Con, yeah, uh, that's, I'm going with that second pronunciation. Uh, Brad is also in and Joshua C. So th- the person who I attempted um, last week who had a little bit of a, 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 a like a difficult name, um, he messaged me on Slack and said I nailed it. So wow. just to keep, keep the <laughs> updates going, I, di- I, I pledged something some time ago about mispronouncing names. But just so you know, I am keeping myself accountable. And but he said I he said I hit the nail on the head. So just just to keep you updated there. <laughs> Perfect. And a couple of cancer council donations uh, for last week. You'd think more people would have donuts for the the outs, but it didn't happen. We've got uh, one donation uh, from uh, Lachlan Fox. He says donating after making JB hate and miss out on the goat Jake Bowie. Uh, so I think I know who that one is. Uh, Bruce Walker again has donated and he says, Hi, gents, just for a discretion earlier in the season, not selecting an emergency. Please excuse the delay. Cheers. You're completely excused. Thanks so much for your donation. Really appreciate it. Again, over $18,150 donated for the Cancer Council since starting the podcast, which is just unbelievable effort and big, big thanks to everyone that has donated so far. Absolutely. Thanks to both our donators and I think I also know who that first donation was, so very much appreciated. Um, I hate Jake Bowie a little bit less now, just just a little bit less. Um, all right, so we've got one last thing to launch into, and that is, of course, our Manscaped read. So Australian Autumn is here, luckily, to, again today. The sponsors of the show are Manscaped. They are here to make sure the leaves are falling off your tree as smoothly as possible. Their fourth-generation performance package, which includes their signature Lawnmower 4.0, which... I have on good authority you're enjoying um, at the moment, Pistol. Not Everyone very keeps moment, saying but that. But I mean, look, isolation is uh, a lonely time. So, you mm. spare time, you, you know where it's going with this. 
Yeah, no, lawnmower 4.0. <laughs> I don't know who I'd rather spend my time with. Um, has all the tools equipped to keep you calm and collated through the weather uncertainty. Time to join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com and for 20% off free shipping and so for 20% off and free shipping, please insert the code DRSC. And always remember, lads, when you trim the weeds, the tree stands taller. That is... That's going to be written on my gravestone, I think. That's that's one to live by. <laughs> All right. I mean, I hope someone keeps you accountable to that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, so do Nervous I, of course. <laughs> um, I, I don't ever say things on the podcast that I, I don't want to be kept completely accountable to. Perfect. Um, all right, so with all that in mind, we're going to jump straight into the podcast this week. There's, there's a lot to discuss, but um, hopefully... I mean, we're, we're, going, we're going to do our normal thing, Pistol. Um, hopefully, we can wrap up in less than two hours this week. That's all I'm Definitely saying. Definitely less than two hours. I feel very okay. confident in the advice this week. So, hopefully, it will okay. be a straightforward, Brilliant. calming influence on, on the masses. All right. Well, I'm going to start with the defenders, as we have been doing uh, all year this year. Yep. I'm going to start by, by saying a lot of people are upgrading in defense this week. Um, obviously, the justification is that they're pretty much the only players that are rookie level and on field and are really harming people. Um, not this isn't competition or hype, but this, this affects a lot of coaches at the moment. Due to Nick Martin, um, Brody, Canelio, the forward line seems okay. Uh, in the midfield, if you've got now, if you're con- contemplating Greg Clark or if Raul is your last midfielder, whoever it is, we seem to be pretty sure up in um, a few positions. Defender slots, though, especially after moving Dacos back, um, a lot of people got on O'Driscoll. You got DeConning, Gibkiss. They're decent scorers, McCartan as well, and Dacos, obviously, but they're not quite the same trustworthy nature of some of the guys that I've mentioned. So I understand completely why defender upgrades are being made this week. I'm personally doing one, um, which we can discuss a little bit later, but a lot of people are looking from the 500k mark up. Um, That's pretty much where all the good defenders lie. Uh, We're going to talk about some cheaper alternative options later, but firstly, I just want to get your take on um, pretty much how highly you rank spending up for some of these guys and, and just what gems you can sort of pick out in the in the lower 500k marks. And are players like Dan Houston, 520k, I know I mentioned him last week and you shot me down. Yep. Um, are they starting to enter your thoughts now? Jordan Dawson, the exact same, um, a couple of SA boys. They're just consistently getting the job done and they're not priced quite at the heights of your Tom Stewart's and Alex Witherden. So... Um, let's just start the discussion. If you want to start rattling off a couple of players, we can we can just chat about it. I think the big one that we have to talk about is Tom Stewart and whether he's worth paying 607k for. He is a bit of a unique case in that the defenders this season seemingly all have the round 12 or round 14 buy, and Witherden and Stewart both have the round 13 buy. So in terms of trying to get an even buy spread and allow you to get more points on the field throughout the buys, having one or both, ideally, of these guys would be perfect for your buy situation. The problem is both of them are bloody expensive for defenders, and typically you never want to pay this much for defenders because they just can't maintain their price. So I guess I'll throw it back to you, JB, but do you see either of these guys worth their price tag? 
No, I, I see neither of them worth their price tag. I think there are a lot of good defenders this year. And I'm going to get you to run through maybe a top eight type situation just off the, the top of your head later. Yeah. Um, but essentially, I see these guys both in and around that top eight. Um, I'll talk about with it in a sec. Firstly, with Stuart, um, he hasn't showed this type of ceiling for a while. Um, Whatever. <laughs> I mean, I think he had... He had a couple of 160-type scores a few years ago, but it has been some time since we've seen this from Tom Stewart. He was the most dominant player of the round, in my opinion. Lockie Neal was brilliant, but Tom Stewart was everywhere. He he um, single-handedly... He was Geelong's sole player pretty much for that entire last quarter. Fremantle kept on bombing it in. Tom Stewart marked everything. He marked one on the 50-meter mark, and then booted it, and you know the ball was in in transit for about ten to fifteen seconds, and then Fremantle got a quick entry into the the forward fifty, and Stuart was standing alone in the square <laughs> and marked it in the square, and it was just it confused it confused me. But he hasn't shown this ceiling for some time, and I don't think it's something to to sort of start banking on now. So a sixty nine break even, he's going to go higher, obviously, but. He's going to stop at about 615K-ish, um, six, maybe 620K. Um, and then genuinely from there on, it, it, for me personally, I feel like it's just going to plummet. So um, a lot of projected scores are, are massive for him, but he just doesn't have that high, high level of consistency. Even this year, 103, 103, 104, the 129 is pretty much the spike score that you expect to see. And then a 97, and now a 187 has suddenly made people go, oh, we need this guy in our team. But the first six weeks are more, um, he missed one week. So the first five weeks are more what Tom Stewart is about than what we've just seen last week. I mean, to maintain the price at like 650K, you need to average 130. And Tom Stewart's not going to average 130, and he's only, you know, 40 odd K from that price. So he might peak there just because of the 187. And then as soon as that leaves his rolling average, he's going to start that decline again, probably right around when you're going to pick him up after he's had his buy. So unless he puts him back-to-back massive games, I think it's more than likely that we pick him up again, probably around 570K after his buy. And it's just one of those things that we have to admit and cop being priced out of. And then, you know, that's just the way the cookie crumbles type situation. I think for many of us, the problem is we want to upgrade our team before he has his buy. And it just might be a situation of holding on to someone like Dacos as long as possible so that we can just do a Dacos to Stuart, you know, final upgrade in our teams. And that might be something that we just need to actually have some really forward planning, um, you know, given with this unprecedented season, hmm. you could see someone with a Whitfield or a Daniel Rich going up to Stewart around the buyers. Yeah, I mean Whitfield in Depending particular. On trades <laughs> left, but yeah, no, but like, yeah, definitely I mean, Whitfield. Whitfield's definitely more of a case than, <laughs> than Daniel Rich, but um, yeah. So I just I don't think he's an urgent trade in. I, I think there's there's going to be means to get him in later in the season. Um, Alex Witherden could get dropped this week. He legitimately <laughs> could get dropped. I'm not. He's not going to get dropped. I know. It, he, I know he's scoring well in Supercoach. Did you watch that game? No, I actually didn't watch the game, but he's not going to get dropped. He was, <laughs> no, he has been dropped coming off of big Supercoach scores before. They don't watch the Supercoach scores, the coaches. I'm telling you right now, they're not sitting there thinking, Witherden's an uber premium. That means he must be in our best six. He was deplorable defensively. And whether he gets dropped or not this week, sure, he, he we can say that he's not going to. 
Um, but I don't think five. I don't think he's exactly the safest player <laughs> in the game. Five ninety. That's in, that's so. That's I just all these defenders. I can't pay five ninety for a de- defender. Like top tier defenders, you're willing to pay maybe five seventy k for. Like Tom Stewart last week was probably like the maximum price I would pay for a defender. And after that, it's just wait for them to come back down. Like especially defenders playing as defenders. Like they're not playing as midfielders. So they're going to have a down game and their price is just going to absolutely tank at some point. And you'll be able to pick them up for that 5-6. I mean, even Doherty, um, who has had... Do you, do you think you end up with Withered in your, in your final team? No. I, I feel like he's got so much risk. I, I don't. I mean, more so just because you only have six slots and there's so many good options this season. I just don't think he, yeah. he makes the cut for me. I, I think Tom Stewart's probably, you know, got his name um, as my... You know, I guess whatever D one, D two, T three out this by. Yeah, absolutely. But then someone like Doherty this season, he's averaging one hundred and fourteen. But it's more the way that he's scoring. I mean, he's only put out two sub tons, and he's put out like four massive one twenty two plus scores. And even he currently is five hundred sixty two thousand with a break even of one hundred and fourteen. Like it's it's really hard to maintain the price above five seventy k as a top tier defender. Like being able to potentially pick him next week you know at 550k that that seems like amazing value compared to paying you know 620 next week for, for some, someone like tom stewart or even 607 this week for tom stewart someone like jack sinclair as well um 129 break even he's going to drop as well he just versed um the team <clears throat> the team that restricts the halfback flankers um he was going well early in this game i think he had about 55 um late-ish in the second quarter and was on track for another good score. But as soon as the game bogged down, it, it, they just defenders just find it impossible to score against Port unless you have pretty much every single kick out. Um, so I think he's a good one to look at as an upgrade target as well. And That's Melbourne. His first... He's got Melbourne this week. He might go even lower. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, literally. Um, depends who he mans up on, I guess. But that's his first sub-ton for the season. He looks super, super safe as well. Yeah, no, I, I didn't even notice that his break-even was that high. So I think in the next couple of weeks, being able to pick him up for under 550K just, just sounds like a good deal to me. Um, all right, so... Okay, we've, we've sort of we've discussed a few players at once here. So, Stewart and Witherden we think are too expensive. Mm-hmm. Doherty and Sinclair are the alternate good options that are going to be a little bit cheaper in about a week's time. Yep. For this week, Jack Crisp has been hovering. Uh, he's 563k still. He's dropped 7k for the season, and four, four of that was this week. He pretty much hasn't moved. He's got a break-even of 121. He's more than capable of hitting that against Richmond because he's a midfielder now, and Richmond enjoy giving up midfield points. He's been on the verge of some outrageously good scores, but just hasn't quite put each week together. Um, but I think that the first three rounds, the 69, 121, 85, I think those yips are out of your system. Yeah. Uh, going forward, I think he's a genuinely good pick. And I've got him I've got him as the probable D2 by the end of the season. He looks amazing. Um, he looks incredible. Is 563 too much to pay for Chris this week? Probably not. I mean, these are the prices that I'm willing to pay for, you know, your D1s, D2s, D3s. I'd pay this price for Chris and... Even if you wanted to get Doherty this week, for example, I wouldn't be mad. I just anything above, I, I've said the five seventy is like the magic mark um, for for defenders. I just can't pay more than you know. Crisp 
I mean, it's not a hard and fast rule, but it's a rough guideline. And Crisp is under that price. He will drop more. I, I think it's likely he won't hit his break even. Um, so he'll fall a little bit more. And he's just ripe for the picking in the next couple of weeks if you don't have him. He, he's definitely high up on my radar. But I just want to highlight that the gap between these guys that we've spoken about and then like the next tier of defender, I feel like it's yes. quite large. And... They're all within like 30K of each other. So, all right, there's there's one more. There's one oh, yeah. more. Go um, George Hewitt is in that. Yes. Is still in this big bracket. He's 536K. 38.9% of the competition still doesn't have him. Um, yeah, get him. He's probably <laughs> the most desperate trade in for anyone that doesn't own him. 536K. I know he's already gone up 140K. Is still cheap for what Hewitt has produced this year. Yeah, I mean, he's averaging 117. So, that seems like good value. Um, I, I just feel like the, all those players are on another tier than people like the Houston, the Bailey Dale, the Cumming, even I think Sicily. Um, people, there might be one more. Pendles. Um, Jaden Short, 532K. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, get him. Um, <laughs> get that guy. <laughs> again, owned by 34.8% of the competition. Um, not really applicable to a lot of our Slack users. Uh, they, we, we were obviously quite large on short but if you don't have him again 532k if you're missing either Hewitt or short and you're looking to go up in defense it's not even a discussion those are the two guys that you're looking at i mean his price is going to rocket he's got a break even of 46 so yeah and <laughs> and plays collingwood where need i remind you guys in that preseason game where he had 40 touches and scored 170 super coach off the halfback um, I don't even know what role he's going to play. If he's going to play in the midfield, if Dusty is back, maybe they push short back. No idea what's going to happen, although he looked amazing in the midfield, so he probably gets another game there. Either way... I think he stays in there for one more week. Uh, he's you, just good. You get, <laughs> Dion Presti is also going out, I think he's an important one. So. Yeah, true. He's, um, he's just good. I, I just put, yeah, I wanted to quickly discuss the actual midfield time. What did you think? Because like, we've had examples of defenders that have gone into the midfield, especially those that play a little bit on the outside and their best attribute is kicking. Um, obviously, we've seen Dawson attempt to do it. We've, we've seen Houston attempt to do it. Um, there, there are a few guys who have sort of been in that mold, and it just hasn't exactly worked out for them. But then we've seen the Jack Crisps and the Rory Laird, where it's been super successful. Where do you put Jaden Shaw on that level? Because right now, I'm, I'm really struggling with the one-game sample size against West Coast, yeah. I think. That James was just an incredible midfielder. It's a little bit concerning he, still. He didn't get many contested touches, so he still kind of played more of... I guess the crisp role, but crisp was a bit more inside, yep. but where they were feeding it out to him. He only had nine contested and 23 uncontested. But the fact of the matter is he loves to kick. He still kicked it 27 times from his 31 touches and he used the ball at 80% disposal efficiency. So when you're getting large volumes and you're still in the midfield and his kick to handball ratio is still you know insane, he's just going to score well. So I don't really think it matters too much where he plays just because... You know, he's got so many positive attributes for Supercoach. But, um, you know, down back, he gets a kick out in the midfield. He will get it fed to him quite a bit. Um, I probably prefer him down back just for, like, consistency sake rather than yeah. you could cop, like, a bad midfield score potentially. Um, but One thing that player. I did notice with him, yeah, one thing that I did notice is he still runs around the back of, of players who aren't, like, unreal kicks of the footy. Um, there are a few of those in the Richmond midfield. Um, I think they would rather have short kicking the ball. And instead of running up from half back to do that, he's just in their face already. Yeah. So I think it I think it does actually, for his play style, I think it works. I'm just interested to see what happens when they're not like 
thrashing the opposition, <laughs> which we probably won't yeah. see this week because they've got Collingwood. If I was playing footy and Short was next to me, I would just handball it to him. Why not? He's obviously yeah, going to be a better kick than me. <laughs> Espe- uh, I mean, especially if I had him in my supercoach team, that's like a win-win. <laughs> that's um, true. <laughs> so, okay, so we've got to discuss a few more players. Essentially, if you've got Short, you've got Hewitt, you can't afford Stewart, Crisp, Witherden, or Doherty. So you're talking basically sub 550k. Yeah, we're looking at sub 550k. So Sicily, we're talking about. Yeah, okay. yeah, I'll squeeze him in there. Um, Pendles is another one. Um, I've I've seen Isaac coming being thrown around a bit. We'll discuss him. And then when you drop down to 520, you got Houston, Dawson, Zorko, uh, and yeah, that's that's about it. I'm, so yeah. I mean, I think this one's quite simple in that you get what you pay for at these prices. Like, you yep. don't get the best of the best, but, like, I, f- I feel like the order that you said it was the order I would rank them, where I like Sicily and then Pendles and then probably, like, Cumming and um, whoever else you said after that. The, the problem I, yep. I see with defenders where people are saying, hey, like, I need to pick a defender that's sub 5'10". You know, who, who have you got for me? And I really think the answer is don't do it. Like, don't cheap out because I'm sorting right now by, you know, three-round average. I could very well sort sort by average. And I'm looking and there is, let's see, all the way down here, we've got 15 players averaging above 105 and Jack Sinclair is 16th when I sort by three-round average. There's just so many defenders that are going bonkers and none of those guys there... Uh, you know, a cheap defender. They're all expensive. So the timing just hasn't worked out for, you know, getting a cheap bargain defender and our defensive rookies maxing out. And there's no defender rookies available to trade in, so we can't cash them out. It's a little bit of a mess, but I think at the end of the day, like if you want the best and the best, unfortunately, you're going to have to pay the 560K to bring them in. I think there are two players remaining that are really good value. If uh, I mean, well, we're short. Sure. <laughs> Hewitt and Shaw are the two. Yeah. I think there are two left field ones that aren't owned by everyone. Um, and I suppose Sicily is 39%. I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's one guy <laughs> who I think could be in that mold. I think Scott Pendlebury with the arguable, and I said this last week, best role in Supercoach history, playing sweeping seagull defender for three quarters and then going into the guts for the very last quarter where you want him to get the bulk of his disposals and and not sort of fade out of the game um i think he's genuinely the best scoring role that we've ever seen um especially for someone like him who is a quality halfback hits his targets finds the ball is on kickouts and b still incredible in the midfield um what i want to ask you is what what are the chances of your captain getting any sort of old man rest do you think playing in deep defense is to protect against that do you think he's still no he's um, not getting he's way too important to the team and especially if you need a panic button like when SM yeah. are coming back and you can throw pendles in the midfield like he's he's the, the calming presence in our team the captain of the club he's not getting rested um, I think he'll play unless injured and, you know, he puts up with a lot of pain as well and can play through it. So in terms of durability, I don't really have concerns, even though he is older. He's just like, he takes such good care of himself. But 
I think for me, like, I agree that he's value, but he's not like super value. He's 540 no, he's and no, he's no, no, probably no, worth not. 560. Whereas, yeah, no, no, no I agree. I agree. Uh, I, I yeah. just think the other guys have gotten off to such good starts that it's so tough to sort of pencil anyone no. in his value. I mean, like, um, Doherty's 20k bank more, and I think could outscore him by like seven points per game. Wow. Okay. So I would so, rather do that. But all of these players are not cheap. So I think the, the takeaway of this is that if you can't pay up and, and get the guys you want, don't do a defensive. Like either boost and get who you want to get or don't do a defensive upgrade this week. Okay. I'm going to quickly run through four names that I discovered as sub 500k options. Yeah. I just want you to tell me not to get any of these guys. <laughs> First of all, Jake Lloyd is is just under the 500k mark. No. Still has quite a high break even. Um, can you please advise me no. not to get Jake Lloyd? We've spoken about this, I think, on like the last three podcasts. And Jake Lloyd is a dead super coach pick because he gets all his points from kickouts and they, he doesn't have high usage anymore out of the back line. Swans have better kicks out of the back line at the moment, so they're more than capable of taking the kicks themselves. Campbell is brilliant. Have you seen Braden Campbell watch, play this year? Every, yeah, every Swans game because um, family members go for Swans. So uh, yeah. it's genuinely like Blakey is so exciting. I mean, there's just no need for the ball to go into Lloyd's hands on every rebound 50, which was kind of what was happening when you had like Melikan and Rampy down there yeah. where they just kind oh, of definitely. get it to him at all costs. There's no need now. And it's really showing in the Supercoach scores. And even though he's getting cheaper and cheaper, I think, honestly, he's more likely to average like 90 flat now than compete with these, you know, 105 big boys down back. So... I don't want to be losing 15 points per week, so I'll be staying away from Lloyd. Ridley broke his string of three sub-tons in a row with the 115 this week. Um, a lot of people attributing that to the fact that they got in a rookie defender who played far more accountable, apparently helping Ridley's role this week. Um, I'm, if that's what you're selling me, I'm, I'm not buying a single <laughs> bit of it. He has, he still has a game high of 115 since like round four last last season. Yeah, I, like okay. he 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 does not have the ceiling. He's an incredible player, and and he's going to win best and fairest and be all Australian, etc. There is no doubting that. Um, as far as a super coach option this year, he, he's just not one. 115 is almost what those top tier defenders are currently averaging. Well, they are. Um, so it can't really be yeah. a ceiling when other people are averaging it. I just, I, I potentially do agree that he got a bit freed up and they've been waiting to play Zach Reed a long time and he could hold just because, you know, promising youth and Essen not having much to play for, I guess. Um, and maybe that's a bit too early of a call, JB. Sorry if I annoyed any Essendon fans, but that's kind of no, how I it's looking. I don't know anymore. <laughs> that. I, think, I think they're feeling that way after this most recent round yeah. of Dan. So being a bit of a disappointment, I, I, I tipped him in the top eight, so I, I, I feel bad no, for them. No, it's just, just bad. I, I remember arguing but, with. Way, I argued with you so hard about that in the preseason. Um, yeah, I know. No, no, good call. Um, by the way, Witherden's ruled out for this week with COVID. So, oh, is that breaking news? Or COVID protocols, I, sh- I should say. Okay, breaking news. Yeah, we go. That's yeah, that's yeah. It. So don't get Witherden this week. Let's definitely rule him that's, out. I think that's huge. Yeah, no, that is. Wait, wait. Can we revisit me saying he'd get dropped this week? I, you can't claim that on COVID, Jesus. I have. I just have. That is. Um, that is that okay, is look, I'm going to jump forward. I'm going to jump forward. Yep. Um, Luke McDonald, Daniel Rioli, the last two that I found. Um, That's cheap. A, a handful of sub tons. They're 420K. Yep. Um, 
if you started either of these guys, they're actually making you decent cash. So kudos. Um, <laughs> you're in eight eight point six percent of the competition. They're they're making decent cash while also scoring decently on field. Especially Riola, he's already made eighty five k. He you know that's that wasn't the worst starting option. Um, no one's trading these guys in. Stop. Get out of my DMs if you're talking about you, these guys. You, no one's trading them. You in. pay exactly what you get. Like you pay a cheap price because you get a worse player. <laughs> That's basically the crux of it. That's genuinely it. Yeah. Um, lastly, I just want to discuss buy troubles with the defenders. Yeah. Mostly just to make people aware that trading in defenders at the moment comes with um, a little bit of buy risk. So, um, you know the most popular buy. I'll let you go through it more, th- more so than what I will. But the crux of it is for me is just make sure you're checking. Um, if you don't have Supercoach Gold with the, the, the show bias function old-fashioned pen and paper, Excel spreadsheet, whatever it is that you prefer, map that out now because the defender situation regarding the buyers is is as dire as any. So Yeah, I think if you have short, which many, many people will, and then you're looking at like a Doherty, um, I mean, some people like myself still have, have Whitfield. If you're looking at a Cumming, you're looking at a Houston, looking at a Sinclair. I mean, all these guys have the same round 12 buy, which could really mess you up Um you know, come buy time. And with Withered and, and Stewart, as I spoke about earlier, having the same buy and like the, the middle one, which is, I guess, the one that you kind of need, um, all the others that have not been mentioned have the round 14 buy. So if you stack up on them, you've just got to be really careful. I think I'll, if you can get, you know, a 3-2-1 split, um, assuming the one is round 12 or whatever it is, that's probably ideal. Um, otherwise, I probably would really try hard not to go to four of the same buy. You can get away with it depending on the rookies, which you never really want to rely on, but don't get five players with the same buy if you're playing for overall. Uh, I think you're just asking for trouble, especially when they're good premiums. I've only got two so far, so I'm safe. Um, All right, so before we close out the defender section, I just want you to give me a top eight. Um, So I know we discussed... Yeah. that's Uh, on the spot. Okay. Um, I mean, I gave you about 20 minutes heads up, but essentially, um, yeah, I literally said I was going to ask you for that after the segment. So zoned out. Yeah, yeah, that's that's on you. Um, All right, so essentially, we've we've spoken a little bit about the players that we like. We like a lot of players, essentially, is the gist of it. Um, I just want you to rank them, just in case people are making decisions between this guy or this guy and maybe the ranking helps out in that sense because i think there are just it's it's almost like you're throwing a beach ball into the ocean it's almost a can't miss so if you can give me your eight and then i'll sort of counter with my best eight or do you want me to go first Best eight from this point onwards or best eight just overall at the end of the season just who, who yeah who you think will be the top eight defenders um, all right, now I can just go off the top of my head and we'll just roll with it. I think okay. I will go for Hewitt, uh, probably number one, just for consistency of roll. Um, Doherty, number two, which is probably a big call. That's how I'm feeling at the moment. Tom Stewart, number three. Uh, I'll go with Short, number four. Crisp, number five. And we'll go Sinclair, number six. I feel like I'll get a... This is where it gets a bit harder. Um, Witherden, probably number seven. And oh, now I have to choose between Sicily and Pendlebury. I already said Sicily. I think I'd have slightly ahead of him. So I'll go with okay. Sicily there. Over All right. The so I wrote mine out in no order. So I'm going to take the cheap way out. I actually Come didn't on. ask you to order them. 
Um, I just asked for your top eight, so that's on you again. Um, <laughs> so I, I agree with Stuart, Chris, Doherty, Hewitt, Short. They were the first five that I wrote down um, and then took a large, large breath and, and before I even considered the next person. Um, Sinclair, I think, is comfortably the next person. That was, we've got um, the same six, but yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the same six. And then um, we agreed also that Witherden will be in there, but I also have him as the most likely to drop out. Okay. Um, next, I have Pendles over Sicily, but Sicily is the most likely to come in. So, um, look, I think either Withen or Sicily right? could be there. Because if it's total points yeah. now that Withen's not playing, then I, I'd remove him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, look, it's it's just you, you might be getting this guy this week or next week, whatever it is, um, from then onwards, how they're looking. So, um, look, I, I, think, I think Pendles and Sicily are fighting it out. The drop-off then is like, you were talking about Houston, Dawson, like Daniel Rich, a few left field guys that I, I just don't think are quite there. So a Dale coming, I think, with his role um, and with GWS, that could just potentially just be a bit too frantic. What about Hall? Um, Hall definitely could be in there. Um, you'd have to predict that he doesn't play every game from his return. I'm though. still going to get him. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah I, don't, I don't doubt that. So <laughs> just for those considering, I think the top nine, if I made it nine, is clear as day. Um, from that point onwards, I think you're looking for more money to upgrade. Done. All right. I think we should cool. head over to the uh, midfielders. Yeah, Otherwise, we'll talk. be here for two hours. Yep. So um, there are a few midfielders to talk about, mostly just because it is buying season in the midfield. There are a lot of good midfielders, a lot of good prices. Um, I'm going to start off with Petrarca. Still has um, a break even that is um, high enough for him to at least maintain his current price. He's 560K, his break-even is 107. He's not going to skyrocket this week. Every time we've said that, like Parker and Gorn and everything, they absolutely smash it. So the jinx is And there's a chance he just smashes it next week anyway and skyrockets then. So he's gettable within the next fortnight. Um, But just just your general quick thought, what do you think of Draco? I think he's... Pretty safely in my oh, top seven. So that's I'm an amazing value at 560k. That's almost almost the best value midfielder in the game at the moment. Almost. There's probably two or three ahead of him. Brayshaw might be ahead of him in a week's time. He's got a break even of 157. He's probably one to discuss next yep, week. I totally um, agree. He, he's going to be around the 560 mark. And depending on what he scores, he could drop a little bit lower than that. Yep. Um, so he's he's a real juicy one to look out for. Took Miller, maybe the guy that you're referring to is maybe the best value. Second, um, second, he's the second one. But yep. Oh, took second. Okay, mm-hmm. so yeah, coming off a of 160, he's 592k, break even of 85. He, he he's not going to be under 600k this this next week. So it's the perfect opportunity for those who didn't start. Took. Um, How was his game, by uh, the way? He was on like six at quarter time and then scored 160. Yeah, so I actually wanted to ask, like, is he back, or did Collingwood just play people into form since the since the tag? He pretty much had back to back no tackle games, and then a game where he tackled too hard and got a bunch of clangers, and now he just seems like he's sort of come full circle and and, and he's back. No, I mean, I'll, to be frank, he's kind of looked the same to me in almost every game this season. I think like he started with four clangers again this week so that's why his score was so bad in the first quarter and then he did what he usually does I think his running has been there the whole season there's a little bit of luck involved in tackles there's a little bit of luck involved in some of those clearing kicks um, it was just yep. more Gold Coast were competitive 
I guess, with Collingwood, I mean, I say that given we, we kicked seven goals in the first quarter, but the game did ebb and flow, and he was very much involved in the fight back. He's just a couple good. of goals as well. Like he, yeah. he he definitely has come back into form He's this week. Just I think really a good player, and I, I it's I don't think it, you can keep a good player down for too long. And this is just you know that kind of what happens is now it's on the up. I guess I, I found the I found the best midfielder. Yes, you did. Um, I'm sure Patrick Patrick Cribs, um averaging a hundred and thirty eight without his injury this season, priced at five hundred and. 26. 26k break even of 29 <laughs> um he he's going to go up 40 to 50k this week and then probably again the week after so look he is enormous value um the so far the second best scorer in the entirety of supercoach if you remove that that game that he missed in the, in the injury game um him and Lockie neil he's averaging 138 neil's averaging 140 so there is not going to be a better buy probably in the next 24 months than 526k Patrick Cripps. I if can you just give me a quick are you worried about his hamstring and soft tissues? The price is too low to worry about that sort of thing. Okay, he's just gone 138 139 coming off that injury. If you don't own him at 526, your he's number one priority doesn't even matter what really the rest of your team looks like. Like he could average he, he literally could average 130 so just buy him at 526 that's amazing yep unbelievable buy just lastly clayton oliver still priced i mean he, he jumped up 20k 639k his break even's 84 if you don't get him this week you're probably waiting um at least another three to four weeks before you get him oh, in i don't think i get him um, now I think that's. I think the ship. Yeah, sailed. that's what I. That's what I was going to ask. So, six hundred thirty nine k. He's still. Let's let's round it to six forty for ease of numbers. Okay, six hundred and forty k. He's still value for what I think he averages from here on out. He'd have to. So average under like under one, that logic, if you yeah. can afford him, I don't think I'll talk anyone out of him. He's minor value. We're talking that same Pendlebury type of being a defender type value there's yep. just other midfielders that are better value like took miller at the moment that can out average or average the same as him so i'd probably be looking there i mean it's hard to justify some of these players at this price i mean if you don't have him again you might just need to wait for his price to come down it's hard to maintain to, to be honest like he's had two good scores this season really a 168 and a 146 if he just you know, went three weeks in a row without having a 140-plus game, which is very possible. It's a big ask. I mean, yeah, he's every third game he's gone big. But if he does three in a row without that big game, he will suddenly... Do I need to read that fixture again? Yeah, no, don't, don't read out the fixture. But, you know, he, he could very well find himself, at, again, falling back down to that 610, 620 range. So I, I don't like buying players at this price. It's so it's so hard to maintain. And you've, you just mentioned players like Brayshaw, who, whilst not as good as Oliver, if he can come within five points and is a hundred k cheaper, and it you know can strengthen other parts in your team, like they they become you know com- you know you have to have a conversation about it. All right. So we don't want to pay six hundred and forty k. No. What about six hundred and eighty k? 
Max Gorn is my next talking point. Oh, that, that was a pretty good transition. Um, all right. Thank you. All right. Let's, um, let's do this. Let's do six, this. 677K. His break even is 98. Yep. Coming fresh off of a 172 against Hawthorne. He comes up against the dueling banjos for St. Kilda this week before he takes on West Coast oh, um, without any Ruckman. North Melbourne without Goldie. Sherry. Um, so it's, it's essentially just Goldie. But that's harder? <laughs> I don't know, actually. I don't Might I don't be. know. Because they like scoring well against each other. Yeah, they love it. Um, obviously, famously had that 212 a couple of years ago. So, um, And then he's got Fremantle, give or take whether Darcy, et cetera, et cetera. Essentially, um, and then he's got Laddams. Doesn't matter. Like, oh, and then he's got the Grundy list. Hey, Hickey's I'm just saying. Hickey's I'm go, just so. saying. 677k might be value (laughs) it's not it's not value if you don't have Gorn though like he's killing people that don't own him killing them no no one without Gorn I reckon (laughs) silly people without Gorn the percentage the percentage (laughs) of people without Gorn in their matchups this week winning would be astronomically low yep I mean I don't know what that feels like you know. So, okay, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. But <laughs> would you, firstly, would you boost into him with two down, one up? All right. I've thought about this today. Um, I grabbed Gorn last week when Grundy went out. Um, so, Jamie. Yep, that that worked out pretty well as my captain. I finally hit a captaincy score. I've been thinking about it, and I think if I didn't have Gorn now and I had what most people probably have in Bruce and Hayes, I think I wouldn't get gone now. And there's reasoning behind that. And that How can you advise that from your I'm glad you've point. asked. <laughs> so I'm about to I'm do that. I'm really looking forward to So this. there's a couple of points. One, I think Hayes' matchup last week I said Ryder bad bad matchup. I thought potentially worst matchup he could possibly have. I think Hayes is much better than his, you know, 55 score against Ryder. I'd be surprised Agreed. Agreed. if he didn't go, you know. Not not just that, but the Cairns weather was disgu- you're like there were approximately zero marks taken for <laughs> the game. You're not going to do well as a tall like luggy ruckman who clunks marks and and focuses on hit out to advantage when their players are playing with a wet bar of soap. It's just yeah. That was not the game for him at yeah. all. Yeah, so I think genuinely he goes, you know, 75 plus, which is yep. as a, at a rookie spot, you know, that's good. Good. You have more money, obviously a lot more money because you have Hayes as your R2. So you have like 500K elsewhere to take another rookie off your field. I mean, some people like myself are going to have like a McCartan as your D6 and you might now have a premium like a Doherty. So that's going to be that, you know, 60 point improvement there. So it kind of helps balance it out. I think... The two other points I have is, one, whilst he's a really great captaincy option, he's kind of also still being matched by some other players. Lockie Neal, as we just said, 140 average. Like Lockie Neal is as good or better captaincy option many times, in which case you don't get the massive value by captaining him every week when players are matching him. And lastly, and this is the biggest point, probably the main point that swayed me, was there's actually rookies coming through, like R3s of Aiden Begg and uh, Stranatica, who are looking like they can score well and make really quick money. And if you have that opportunity to get cash over the rest of the competition, so 
people that have Gorn, Proust, and Hayes can't get these R3s, and both of them look like they've got good scoring potential. If you take a look Shunatika and he is going to make you, you know, a quick 200k or 300k, and you get to inject that into your side quicker than everybody else, I mean, that could set you up for, you know, a payback over the, across the rest of the season where you're just gaining points on, on the Gorn owners and kind of chipping it back. And, you know, eventually you will end up with Gorn. So I think that's probably how I would tackle it now. Just 677 as well. I know Gorn is a beast and he's just put out a 172. I don't think he can maintain it. It just, it takes, even if he averages 130, he's going to drop in price. And 130 is great. So... I, yeah, I agree. I, I think I think he's definitely prone to dropping in price, at least down to six ten, six twenty yeah. at some point. Um, you, you're just gonna have to time it, and I think you're gonna have to prepare an assault over the buys or something like that. You need a boost. Build up a war chest. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna need a boost at some point. So, um, look, I, I think I think it's tough to stomach. I alternatively wanted to ask about Sean Darcy. Um, I've seen a few people toying with it's that pick. Madness. So to me 568k coming off of a concussion break even month 15 how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Um, if he's playing predominantly in the ruck, he's got North, Gold Coast, and Collingwood. Um, well, I can see him going bananas over the next few weeks, but he just doesn't get on the park enough i think it's just so risky he's injury prone um, he's not going to outscore gone over the rest of the season and even if you think you're trying to fight back like now you're not getting those extra 200k on the people that do have gone so you probably I legitimately think Bruce is a better pick than darcy <laughs> so, at this point. there we go i'm not joking <laughs> I, I honestly like being able to use your r3 to generate cash like if, if you can get trinitica and he can make you 200k in three four weeks you can like the cash gen will dry up like i've nearly i'm close to exhausting most of the cash from my bench particularly if i have no rookie downgrade and i can't cash out on my defensive rookies 
Um, you know, my midfield is almost fully cashed out. My forwards are almost fully cashed out. If you can make 200K in a slot that I can't and then upgrade on your field where I might have to wait because I genuinely don't have downgrade options available, I mean, that that becomes valuable. So I think that's how you try and get an advantage back rather than try and get Sean Darcy, who you might lose points with. Like, it just feels like not a great gamble. Yeah, not a great gamble. Um Okay, we're going to move into the forward line and then have a couple of discussions about the rookies before we jump off. Um, I've got a few things to talk about. Firstly, I think the the pretty much the main aspect of everyone's trades this week uh, include Luke Parker. <laughs> I'm having to pass on Luke Parker personally, so I just want to know how much trouble I'm in, how much of a good pick he is, and... Um, whether I should be restructuring my entire team to get him in. My issue just before people have a go at me um, or if hopefully people can relate to me, um, my forward line is Dunkley, Heaney, Brody, Butters, Cornelio, Martin. Um, and I don't have... I, I'm, I'm, I can't switch players around to, to sort of... If I switch players into the midfield, like Martin into the midfield for Rochelle, bench Rochelle, um, I'm benching Clark in that instance, who I think is a decent enough M9. So, um, M8. So, anyway, um, the issue is, is for players like me having to fade him because of their forward line, it's super scary. For players that... Do we have a F6 that they they need to upgrade on field? Is he just the easiest selection in the game right now? Yeah, so I had Dixon at F6 and I'm basically (laughs) boosting into getting Parker um, as my F6 this week. It's funny, JB, last week uh, we were talking about a direct, I guess, correlation between um, Rowbottom and Parker in terms of their CBAs and how, you know, Parker did well and Rowbottom did badly. Rowbottom had one CBA. And Parker went bonkers, and I don't think that's a I don't think that's a fluke. Um, look, I think Parker is playing himself more in the midfield, and Swans are looking better when he's in the midfield. Um, he legitimately has a high ceiling for a forward, and doesn't need to kick a bazillion goals to get there, as we just saw. Um, Five hundred eighteen feels still like good value. It's unfortunate if you know he's gone up forty k, which is. A massive amount if you got him for sub 500 i mean that's just almost best buy of the season he's still really good value i think it's probably probably overstated how important it is to get him this week because even though he's got a break even of 51 um it's not like he's gonna well it's unlikely i should say because anything could happen there's gonna put out back-to-back 150s i mean realistically even if he he goes 100 he's only going up 24k which is still somewhat manageable and still means you could get him next week. I think you can probably, if he becomes in that like Pendle's range of value where he's probably like 10, 20 K under price. Yeah. Can I talk about that for a second? People yeah. that have seen him obviously go up in price this week um, and are, are either a little bit turned off by that or people that are sort of stressing about getting him in before next week. We just talked about defenders for 20 minutes and how anyone 560 is getting a bit uh, towards the value, the value end of things, yep. like Sinclair and Doherty. Um, but looking at the players below that, 550 and below, which is where we ideally tried to just shop for a while, and we, we found a couple of good options, um, that's like the perfect territory to hit where you're just not getting ripped off. You're, you're not getting amazing bang for your buck, but you're not getting ripped off in any way either. Mm. Um, Parker is realistically like a, a F2, F3 guy for the entire season. Um, if you're getting him below, 
Like we're lucky we're not having to pay up Stewart prices yeah, for Parker. That's right. <laughs> he, he's a premium Uber midfielder most other seasons. I, I I can't I don't have it off the top of my head what he averaged after like a slow start up until round six last year or something. But after he turned around, I'm pretty sure he was still one fifteen plus. That is well and truly good enough for an F two. Um and the only reason it's F two this year is because Dunkley's an incredible F one. So um it is still the best buy this week, in my opinion, unless you don't have Crips, um, in which case Crips is my priority, and and then it's um, Parker shortly after. So um, he's an incredible buy. He's still going to be a good buy next week. Yeah. For anyone that's overly concerned, like myself, that they're going to get priced out of him, um, it, we could be looking at another Brody 70, and, and all of a sudden we're paying... 80k to just make that move and improve our team so look i'm not stressed about parker but i'm extremely envious of anyone getting him in this week he's just an incredible purchase Uh, yeah i mean it's hard to add more to that i mean i think we saw with like heaney earlier this season like heaney is coming off three of his first five scores being 131 plus and he's actually now cheaper than you know what he was at the time. He, he peaked at 544, he's 535, and he's going to drop most likely again this week. Um, it's just, it's those prices. They're so hard to maintain for like forwards, defenders. It's it's mm. difficult. And if you can get any of these guys at like 510 and 520, which they cycle back through every now and then, like you just pick them off as they come and they become fa- fantastic value. And every now and then they get gastro and have two bad games in a row and you can pick them off at like 450k i was gonna i was gonna transition seamlessly into <laughs> heaney but you've now given me the the, the goy transition um so your thoughts on the obviously quite a few people traded him in for what i thought was excellent value two weeks ago coming off that 125 um since then he's unfortunately had an 11 clanger game followed up by a gastro game I tweeted this out during the week. Gastro, the best tagger, two for two. Butters and Degoy both held to extremely low scores coming off of their gastro um, stints. So very, very unlucky. It is going around Australia at the moment, and hopefully it doesn't touch any of our remaining players. But essentially, a 139 break-even. Degoy is probably going to, at the very least, drop for one more week and maintain for another week after that, um, potentially drop for two more weeks. 450k we're looking at him in a fortnight's time he's gone from a very good buy at uh where do people buy him at 480k um to now an incredible buy coming into 450k so just mark it in your calendar two two weeks time to go he's going to be one that we're, we're going to be looking to trade in he i mean it's people don't they look at the scores and they think oh you know he's not that good but the role is still there he literally just had gastro and we we just saw the impact it had on Butters. I, I'm not really worried about him. I think he's because he's going to get to that low price. You don't. I mean, obviously, you want to get him at his lowest price. But even if he had a week where he rose in price to like 460, 470, it's still really good value. You you can just time your rookies when they peak in price, and you could probably pick Dugowie over like the next month. Like you can just time it perfectly and, and pick him up. I'm I'm not worried about it. I'm looking forward. Well. Looking forward to having to go in my team is not a sentence I thought I would say at the beginning of the season, but I definitely am looking forward to the value that he presents. 
I'm going to dangle Brody out again, and we're going to quickly discuss him because there's every chance he's a downgrade to, to go in two weeks' time. So, um, Brody, a 75 this week. The time on ground definitely played a factor. His next three are North, Gold Coast, and Collingwood. Um, they're pretty good matchups. We could be looking at a downgrade. But a lot of people talking about cashing him in this week. If he gets you to Parker without using a boost um, or and without having to get in a speculative rookie that you, you might not believe in as much as, for example, Clark and whoever else is coming next week. Um, would you be prone to trading out a Brody this week or um, are you cashing in that those next three games that just look incredible and and sort of trading out after round uh, 10? I think the 75 probably scares off many people this week. And, and again, your brain automatically goes, well, if he puts out another 75 this week, He's going to have like yeah. a break even of 140, and then I'm forced to get rid of him. And I guess that might be true, but you've got to remember that Darcy didn't play, and Frio are you know significantly weakened in those center bounces where you know Brody excels when Darcy isn't there. So with him back, I think that's going to make a really big difference. And with those fixtures that you just read, I would be surprised if he didn't put out at least you know back to back to back 90s. Um, you know, he's still got that role and Fife is meant to return. I think it's in round 10 as well. So that could actually be, you know, the perfect timing. If you did want to ditch, I, in a perfect world, I'm holding him until his buy. He's got that final buy, you know, downgrade him to and Tim English, a, a Heaney or something like that. I think that's probably, you know, the go. Oh, actually, I just remember what I was thinking pre-podcast with him. It, because of his high price, I would be using him to get a top tier premium. So to get like a Jack Steele or someone if I miss, miss, and you know, it's hard to get to that 650K mark. And if he doesn't come down in price, the only way to get there is by using someone who's like 450K. Um, and he might be my ticket to Jack Steele so that I don't miss out on him for the rest of the season. Um, I think yeah, so he's a ticket to Gorn as well if you, if you don't have him potentially. I completely agree with, with the Gorn sentiment. I agree with the Steel sentiment as well. I think um, there are 37% of teams that still own Raul, who I think is a much better Steel ticket. Yep, sure. um, Raul, comes, Raul goes into the buy as Steel comes off of the buy, um, and Raul's break-even is 39. So he's he's now going to get to that 110, 120K mark where he's, he's made that much money. Um, so I think him going into Steel in... What's that? One, two, three, four, five weeks' time. It works out perfectly. He's coming off of Hawthorne and North Melbourne as well, so hopefully he has a little spike. Having said that, Brody's another perfect uh, ticket as well if you don't have Rao. And then, obviously, as you mentioned with Gorn, like, this is what I said about Grundy, and I hate to... like I'm not, I'm not trying to rub anything in, but when you're getting rid of Grundy, you're getting rid of someone with that higher value... You only start so many guys with that high value in your team to start the season. I I find it so much more difficult breaking him into two than I do getting him to just one big guy because as tempting as it was to get two premiums last week, I see so many people struggling now to get Clayton Oliver because their plans have slightly changed because this rookie didn't do what they needed to or this guy didn't do or Clayton Oliver scored a little bit higher than I have liked or you know Gorn scored a little bit higher than I would have liked and it, it just really handicaps you and, and getting those big guns in for those, in, those opportunistic Grundy out or Aaron Hall out or whoever it was um, I think is so important um, because they're very hard to upgrade to and you have to sacrifice a Brody to get there during the season. 
because um, you're not doing a, a gib kiss and deconning to, to Clary because you're just not affording it. Um, they're not getting up there. So super important. You mentioned Heaney and English. Uh, we briefly spoke about Heaney. Decent size break even this week. Definitely one on the watch list for the next couple of weeks. Um, and then English coming back potentially this week, I believe. I mean, they said one to two, so who really knows? And again, who knows if, you know, Smarten will be dropped or not and how that will impact him. But it's definitely a big watch on English because if he's so Essentially, ruck, don't trade him in, please, not in this advance. week, I think, even I if think, he's named I think you need a week. a week at least to watch. And he's at the price that I think I'll be able to pick him up again, you know, around his buy time if I need to. Um, he could come in i guess if he looks dominant i would be, I'd consider it but I, I think you need to watch first before you jump on break even of 99 he's not going to move much in price um look at worst case scenario if we've got a low brody score this could be a 600k guy that you tick off with an upgrade yep. there um he's coming into collingwood after port adelaide this week if there's no smarten he's coming into a granulous collingwood He's still 570k. I understand that trading. There's no reason to get him this week, though. So um, I just hope people aren't putting too much into that. So that's essentially going to rack up the premium talk. Um, we're just going to go through a little bit of rookie talk, and um, that's pretty much going to take us to captains before we end the podcast. So firstly, huh, downgrade options this week. So McComb is is one that's on the bubble as is Curtis uh, as is uh, Stranatica and that's it this week yep no that's right and then who um, in the next week <laughs> the thing that the thing that gets everyone is we've got Clark and Carol who both look incredible for next week Beg who's potentially an option Hamilton who looked decent and Rioli who I mean in a hundred point when you'd expect them to score well, but I, I, I'm not, I'm not as convinced on him, but essentially four options, four and a half options of guys who could be really gettable next week. These guys, McComb, Curtis and Stranatica, I don't know if any of them are worth taking over an early Clark just to make sure that you can get at least one next week. Yeah. So, I th- and this is, by the way, this is usually extremely frowned upon. So the fact that, like I'm opening with, hey, by the way, we're breaking this this cardinal sin. Um, <laughs> like, pretty much for no reason. We've got options this week, but we're choosing to get one from next week. Um, just talk us through Clark and, and the rookie options. I, <laughs> I mean, if you think that's bad, remember last week when we said you can get Clark <laughs> before he's even played a game. So that is that is <laughs> arguably worse. I, it's definitely worse. I mean, I, again, like Clark was someone that we wanted to lock in on our M8 in the preseason with full confidence in him being a good scorer, mature age midfielder was going to get opportunities. All of that happens. Expect much of the same. I mean, 104 is a great score. I'm not expecting him to average that, but he could go 80 plus. And that seems like someone worthwhile to have on your field. And that's important. How how does he do that in a hundred point loss? By the way, he's good. He's, he's always been good. (laughs) Like that was, that was why we all wanted him in the first place. Um, I think, the thing that's important this week is having him on your field is definitely a points boost that you need to consider in your trades because um, some people are saving him for next week, which I, I totally understand. But even if you're getting a premium, you know, a week early or whatever it might be, just need to see how that impact is by not having Clark 
you know, on your field and having a weaker rookie in another position like a Dixon up forward or whatever. Because if Clark is going to outscore him by 40 points, you know, the player, you just need to do the maths and see, you know, if it's worth um, making those trades when you could get more points instantly on your field by getting someone like Clark. But the reason really to get Clark this week, a week early, is because there's so many viable options that look like, well, I should say potentially viable options next week. And if you don't get Clark this week, you might have to forego a good option next week. So I feel like either this week or next week is a really good time to boost because then you can maximize the good options that are coming through. Um, But I'm going to preface that by saying you need to be really careful of the buys now because we're moving into the territory where every player, every rookie that you get is likely going to be in your side by the time of the buys, which means you need to take into account what buy they actually have. It didn't matter at the beginning of the season because half your rookies were going to go before you got to the buys, but now it really matters. So Clark's a good one because he's got that round 13 buy where most of our teams, just why the structure of how premiums you know have worked out this season, he will fit well in almost any team, and I don't have to worry about that. The problem that I have moving forward, JB, is nearly all of these rookies have the round 12 buy, which there's already a lot of stress on my side, and I'm sure other people's sides as well, with that round 12 buy. So you have all of you know Hamilton, uh, Rioli, and Carroll all having that same buy, which means that for me personally, I can't, I, I would probably not take two of those guys because I'll be so badly hampered during the buy when, I, when I'm going to need 18 playing players. So then it becomes a question of if I can only take one of them, which one am I taking? And I want that extra week of um, you know, data. So I don't want to have to jump early on one of these guys. Um, JB, I feel like I've talked a long time. Am I making any sense? No, it's good. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's very good. So, <clears throat> Clark, with the better buy, I think we can lock in as someone who, it, it, personal preference, you can get next week if you're committed to potentially using a boost if you need to. Um, you can absolutely get this week um, if you're, obviously, you're understanding the risk of a potential injury or something occurring. Um, I think Clark is a, a great option. I'll be personally getting him in my team this week. I sort of just want to... For those who aren't going for Clark, I just want to tick them off first so they can stop listening or, or skip to the, the next part that they, they really care about. McComb versus Curtis. Um, I think Stranatica is a great option if you've got that ruck yeah. slot and be- better than McComb and Curtis combined. So yep. I just want to say, if you've got that ruck option, and I think he's better than Beg as uh, well. So, so do I. I think that's the important one it, though, right? Because you can only get one of those option, guys. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I think it's easy to say Stranatica is your best bet this week. Um, probably a good moneymaker going forward. Should hold out BJW, who is at the moment competing just pretty much strictly with Dixon. So um, that one's going to be interesting. But Stranatica, I think very safe, very good option this week. Um, better than Beg, only if you've got that slot. Don't do anything to open the slot up, but if you've already got it there, then very good. McComb versus Curtis is, I suppose, the, the talking point. McComb was great this week. Very, very good on the eyes. Easy to watch. Very good like in terms of the eye test. He passed with flying colors. 
Um, Bulldogs enjoy playing a weird player every year, it seems. <laughs> a weird um, player? Like personality-wise, JB? <laughs> uh, I don't know him personally, but they tend to hoard these 102K rookies and, and just play them for some reason. Um, which is great for McComb, by the way. Good, good luck to him. But he definitely passed the eye test. But even with a really good game, I thought, this week and passing the eye test, he didn't score incredibly yep. well. Um, Curtis, I thought, um, left another decent score on the table. Um, I just don't know how long that leg rope is for him to continue to to play without putting much scoreboard pressure on. Um, I don't, obviously don't know what the decision with the coaches are in terms of why he's playing is it pressure is it you know lead up marking forward who can link them into the attack is it goal kicker whichever it is i'm not dead certain on either of their job security um but if you were taking one this week who who would you go with i think my vote would be with mccomb yeah so i I mean i think it's kind of a package question um, and I, I mean, I will answer your question saying, Is saying this McComb. another segue into Manscaped? No. <laughs> I will say McComb, but I, I think it's a two-parter because you have to look at these rookies with the future view of next week and how it impacts your side. Um, Definitely. The, thing, the problem that I have is I think it's very possible that Hamilton might be better than Curtis, in which case do I want to like take the Curtis now and then like Hamilton is cheaper and potentially better. Um, People might have roses as well. Yeah, and you, you don't want to you don't want to play these guys on field. So yeah, I feel a bit uncomfortable with that. But I do think Curtis himself is like a fine pick. I, I think he's better than you know. It's not like that dodgy of a rookie. He looks he passes the eye test when he plays. So he does. I, I don't feel that it's it's a risk in any way. I feel like he's fine. Um, it's just potentially that there may, might be better options. I think when I'm looking at Carroll, I mean, he played and looked amazing and Hewitt didn't play. Uh, midfield was, I guess, then slightly different and he did play a bit more, I guess, outside, even though he pushed into the contests. But my problem I have with Carroll is if he scores 90 next week, he's a must-have. Whereas if he scores 30 next week, he's probably a must-avoid. So we don't have enough information to... Can, can I jump in for a second? Yeah, go for it. Um, Stranatica is also out with uh, health and safety protocols. Oh my protocols God. That's just come through, sorry. <laughs> well, it changes things potentially. Um, um, not, not, not a lot. It pretty much just means if you're going to get him this week, if you're in that situation, you just get to see Beg again and then make that comparison. Yeah, but I was trading week, so. out Dixon and now Dixon's probably sole ruck. So. Well, Dixon's definitely going to play. Uh, yeah, I might want to hold play. him now. I'm not sure. He, he's, I mean, he's an actual fieldable option again oh, this no. week. I might need a reverse trade. Um, That's, yeah, we'll talk about okay. this after the podcast. <laughs> mid-podcast podcast. That's we're launching into a mid-pod pod. Um, I thought I'd throw that in because it's very fitting timing. Otherwise, I would have chucked it in later. But yeah, sorry, continue. Yeah, so I think Carol... We need another week to determine whether we're going to get him or not. And he could force yes, our hand either way. So I want to make sure that I have you know, have the option to, to get him. Um, but I don't think that it's necessary. So that means that like next week, it's also... Uh, how do I say this? Rioli, I don't think it's going to be an option because he kicked three goals in five minutes and did nothing, yeah, nothing for the rest of the game. So I'm kind of ruling it out, even though he's 92, looks really good on paper. Um small forward in an average team I feel like it was a massive win I'm not really considering him long term and I don't think I test wise I think Curtis is probably still going to be better than him um, Hamilton 
for those that didn't watch, even though he's got mid-forward DPP, he's kind of like a defensive first lockdown defender that can also run. I think he came onto the scene, um, I think it was a mid, was it mid-season rookie draft or just rookie draft, um, and won their 2K time trial. I think he broke the records, um, just smashed it. So he can run for that days. That seems good, I won't lie. Yeah, look, he got five tackles, 12 touches, as I said, his focus is going to be on, you know, stopping his opponent rather than, you know, getting a lot of the ball. But I think if he does his role well, they always have random small forwards, small defenders um, in that GWS side, especially when Whitfield has pushed forward. Um, it just means there's that extra spot in that back line. So I think Hamilton has potential. But again, he's also someone that could just be dropped, like if he's bad next week. Um, with that being said, there is potential that Hamilton does badly and is not a good option and then Carroll does badly and is not a good option which then leaves me with thinking well is the devil you know better than the devil you don't know and then I look at McComb this week and I think well maybe I prefer to boost this week instead of boosting next week and just grabbing McComb because personally I thought as you had said as well he looked awesome in terms of eye test he did look great he had he had 21 touches and kicked two goals so eye test wise I think he will stay in the team it's unfortunate that he didn't score that many super coach points but any rookie that is one 26 years old mature ager so he's not going to like get beat up around the contest like he's got that that mature body and two he had 21 possessions so he knows how to find the footy feels like one they've got then i'm going to doing ones and twos and ones and twos but one he's going to be able to stay in the bulldog side because he's getting the ball he's kicking goals and mature body and as you said they play random players like scott and mcneil for an entire season out of nowhere and two he's got potential to actually score well he had 21 touches but he only had a disposal efficiency of 52 percent so a lot of clangers, which affected his score, and only 63. But it just takes one game where he doesn't turn it over, and he's putting out an 80 score. Um, I want to pick players that I think can last to the bye. I think Wallace probably goes out with that foot injury. In comes Scott. McComb, it then just becomes McComb holding out the returning Wallace and Hannon, which they're not super inspiring players. So it feels more of like a safety play um, to get him this week rather than guarantee that, you know, both of Hamill and Carroll look good and are worthwhile of a double downgrade next week and then boosting with an upgrade, or that it's kind of a safety play in case both of them look bad next week. All right. That so, I mean, I can't, <laughs> I can't possibly expand on that because I think you covered everything for this week and probably next week's podcast. Um, I do. I, I like your reasoning, though. I do agree. I think if I was in that position where I was getting two rookies this week via a boost, I think McComb would be my second one as well, um, with Clark just being locked in for me. So, um, and it still obviously enables you to go one up, one down next week as well. So, um, it's good to have options on the horizon. I think we're going to have um, more and more popping up during the season. Hopefully, they present themselves as Clark has as like genuine going to be best 22 guys for a few a month at least and it's going to carry us through a bit and make some money so we're going to go to the rookies that we're culling i i, I don't think this really needs much discussion essentially we're going to tick off like Durden, rochelle jhf 
Um, Dixon, if he was dropped, but I, I don't think he will be now, so I think he's probably a hold for another week. Um, and uh, like you're getting into the real nitty gritty, but O'Driscoll's over 300k. Um, he's got a break even in the 70s. You, you could realistically jump, dump him before a reasonably good run. Um, and just hope that he doesn't all of a sudden reset his break even with 100. I think he's one neutral game away from being dropped anyway, but they've got some yeah. health and safety protocols. So he does need to stay in the team after um, the H&S protocol players return, like Acres this week. Um, but essentially, I don't think we're really going to tell people to not drop players. like Unless you're talking, like we discussed Brody earlier, Obviously, no one's dropping your Nick Martins. You're not dropping Raul at this point. Um, and I'll be so shocked if Dacos was a big enough problem in your side that you needed to drop him either. So I think most of the droppable players speak for themselves. I guess a couple of questions for you. In terms of Raul, I know he's got a break-even of 39 and Parker's got a break-even of 51. I mean, Parker probably will go up as much as Raul will. If you had... You know, you couldn't afford another upgrade on your field. Would you consider just doing a route to Parker move and then just, I guess, leaving Parker in your midfield? I guess you can swing him forward. It doesn't matter. But um, is that something that you would consider doing? No, not really. I, I think the problem with Raul is is that he, he's got a stigma of a lot of people having traded him out already. So he's got like that. I feel like there's, there's stigmas that get formed in this game where like he's a tradable player. Um, but he was traded off the back of a 65 and a 64. Um, and justifiably so, I'm not trying to dig at anyone who traded him out because I was seconds away from doing the exact same thing before um, the, the Grundy and uh, Jack Hayes news sort of threw me. So um, now that he's come back with a 103 and a 99, um, he's got, like I said, those those fixtures coming up before the buy and then the buy and, and pretty much as steel is coming off his buy. Rowley's going on to his play. I think that plan is super solid. I would just keep him. He looks like he's got another 50 to 60K to make um, and, and he's just going to be a better on-field scorer than whatever rookie you're downgrading to via like the other spot. So I, I just, I don't I don't see the reasoning for getting rid of Rowell. If If you have to get Parker through someone like Rowell, you're either missing out on Parker this week or you're, you're boosting into him, you're changing your trades, whatever it is. Um, I I don't think it's an urgent need to get rid of Rao this week. I, I, I'd be keeping him at most. I just feel like if, not all costs. if you're saving him to make an extra 50, 60K, like Parker's probably going to go up at least 20. And, and he's, scoring, he's scoring well. well I mean, I'd rather just get rid of... <laughs> I'd rather score... I'd rather get rid of... Yeah, but... You're not Parker doing an alternative from... trade. In my question, it was, you can't afford another trade. <laughs> I don't understand how you can't afford another trade. But you have like, you, 100K. I would rather trade Dacos and, um, and and a forward rookie into Parker and uh, a rookie. And then, yeah, then you're forcing a boost. But I think, what about if it was Cripps? If it was for Patrick Cripps, Matt Rowder, Patrick yeah, Cripps. Yeah, that's the same level. I mean, right. I think, I, I think if, you, if it's not possible to get Cripps any other way, then I would consider trading Rowell up. But I, I just don't understand. Like They're not that expensive. A one-up, one-down. I'm doing a one-up, one-down. I had 50K in the bank. I'm getting pendles from O'Driscoll and Horn Francis. A lot of people still have Horn Francis. That's 310K. That does the bulk lifting for your upgrade. Um, 
I don't understand. You've got good cash gen. I think a lot of people are starting to hit a wall with their cash gen. I would rather trade Brody this week than Rao. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, but Brody Brody's just not getting the time on ground. He there's every every single scenario where five comes back in a week's time and Brody drops to low eighties, high seventies, and and Rao's just gone back to back hundred average. So I just. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think the Rao's the one that's going to make money. How much money is Brody going to make from this point forward? Maybe like 10 15k? Yeah, I think with Brody it's that hope that he might still become a keeper that's kind of still there. Um whereas I think we both sort of get over that and and assume there are six good forwards. Yeah. Uh, we've already named our defenders. I don't know if we need to go through our forwards. I guess I'm scared Raul just puts out a 60 next week against the Swans and then becomes an almost a must trade even before the buyer is going to you know start losing money again, in which case you know you may as well have gotten Parker. Like you don't have that fear. That That's just super like hindsight. Well, it's not hindsight if I'm predicting it. <laughs> I mean, I mean uh, well, it's I guess crystal ball-like behavior. I don't really know what, what title would give that, but... Um, if you're predicting a 60 this week, he still goes up in money and then you can assess again next week. Yeah. Um, and by the way, you can you can still get Parker risk-free with knowing that Rao is going to now start dropping in money and without that thought of, you know, I could counter that by saying, what if Rao scores 120 this week? He should have scored 120 two weeks ago, but he, he kicked um, zero, goes, zero goals two and he put one on the goal line for a mark. So, like there is every chance that he is going mammoth in the next couple of weeks uh, you, instead of going. 60. Did you think he looks good against Collingwood? I think he played two pretty good quarters yeah. and then did enough in two of the other quarters. Um, he scores in bursts because he's either on the bench or like he's he's doing well. It's pretty much like no in between. Um, the problem is is if they're getting belted out of the clearances like. That that's his niche. That that's where he's making his money. So um, they need to be somewhat competitive in the middle. And I think we took middlest form as well. Um, there's just no reason to think that Rao's suddenly going to regress again. Not, yeah. Not at this point. Well, I, I don't know. I, I just it's hard. I feel Swans at the SCG after a loss, putting trying to put in probably a statement game. I, I think it's, it's a, a danger game. game. Yeah. I think it's really a danger game for a low score. Obviously, you said... Rao probably win. tags Parker and they both score 60. <laughs> it's so it's, it's, it's like a non-issue. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Mills because Mills has been absolutely on fire. But yeah, look, it is, it is possible. I think there's a little bit of a danger game. I think it also depends on how you... how it might impact the rookies that you get because obviously Greg, Greg Clark is you know a guarantee to come into your side and then you probably want... Like these rookies that we've talked about, as much as you know they could be hit and miss like i genuinely think like these are likely all going to be decent enough selections like i don't think they're going to be bad in which case we're going to want a couple of them and if if it means that yeah i just think if if you can get an upgrade now and then worry about the rookies you know next week that's also a totally fine play um because if things go wrong next week god forbid there's injuries or you know touch wood whatever there might be um I just don't want to miss out on those rookies because I have other things to kind of deal with. And then, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's lots uh, along, of, this is a big a two weeks. line of questioning. This is like along a, season defined uh, I, I, I got one for you. I got one yep. for you. Along a similar line of questioning, would you trade Whitfield to Parker or Cripps this week? I don't think I'm trading Whitfield to the buyers now. He's just 433K. 
Um, he's not going to get too much. Yeah, that, that's that's more expensive than Rao. Yeah, it's so it's so hard. I mean, look, he scored and three goals and didn't turn up, which is disappointing. Neither of them are premium keepers. Yeah, it's it's pretty. Whitfield's more expensive. The logic, you know. I mean, I think the difference is Raul is taking a spot off your midfield where you've got better scoring rookies, whereas Whitfield is keeping Perez off my field, which. I don't have better scoring rookies. I've got Rochelle as my first bench. There's only one way yeah. for Rao and it's up. Well, I mean, yeah, that's including training. Like, where's half your midfield gone? Maybe you could play Parker in the midfield. <laughs> wait, wait, Rao and Clark are my worst two midfielders. It just, that just seems okay to me. They're both yeah. in the last their their last three games combined. Wasn't the question about Whitfield and Rao? I just feel like Whitfield's taking off, keeping the worth worst scoring rookie off the field I, th- I mean even like McComb or if you got went um, Carroll or something they might be better rookies at least even next from next week onwards I just think the same logic the the same answer that you gave about Whitfield like oh, I'll just hold him until he's by is the same logic that can be applied to Rao it's like yeah I'll just hold him until he's by he's, he's not hurting me enough he's making money at this point um, and he's shown better form in the last two weeks than a lot of those types of premiums, he's shown better form than Brody. I'd be surprised weeks. if someone had Clark and Rao like you all the way until the buy, because we have five weeks until we get to a point where you can trade Rao if you're holding him to that buy. And I, I, I only have five spots left to upgrade on my field and I'm fully primo. So I don't think he's making it to your buy. So if you're going to have to call him early anyway, I think there's yeah potential to at least jump on a low-priced player. I guess it's all about the timing. But I, I just yeah. this year, it feels like I'm going to be going into the buyers at full premium, which is weird. <laughs> it could be the case. Um, I just want to quickly, just just real quickly, um, I want to talk to you about the boosts. Um, we just obviously said then about going into the, the buyers with full premium. Um, I think saving at least one boost for the buyers is pretty important because... Going two up, two down, and keeping that sort of structure for the you know the round twelve buy, and maybe that's your last upgrades is the the round twelve yeah. buy. Um, going two up, two down, I think is going to be super important. But um, hoarding two, three, four up until that stage not as important, and especially having trade boost left over post buys, um, I don't think is important at all. So. Um, I think people are stressing a little bit about it. I've got three at the moment. I don't need to use one this week, so I'm not going to use it just for the sake of it. But um, I'm definitely interested in taking advantage of one over the next few weeks. Um, Probably next week. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, probably maybe next week. Um, I just I I think people people are getting a bit protective over them as they start to dwindle. But they're best used, in my opinion, between pretty much round three and round 12. As the season goes, I've kind of had a shifting thoughts on, I guess, the value and the best time to play them. Um, I mean, obviously, originally I thought, yeah, you know, two at the buyers and three before the buyers. But as we approach the buyers, I'm thinking they have less and less value during the buy. Um, I'm only looking at potentially saving one for the buy or zero. And that's purely because... If I'm full premium before the buy, who am I boosting for? Am I just trading around rookies? Like, it doesn't quite make any sense. And secondly, I was going to save one for, you know, like round 13 or or 14. But round 13, I barely have any premium players from that buy. 
And I think many people would be in that situation where it seems like a really easy round to get 18 players playing, in which case I don't need a boost to do that. I probably only need a boost to get out a full team in round 14. Um, so maybe that's where the value comes in the buy. But again, by round 14, I'm sure I'm going to be fully premium by then, in which case I'm just boosting to sideways trade. And that doesn't feel like I'm getting any value. So for me, it seems like the best value you're going to get is actually boosting you know, now, well, not necessarily right this second, but within the next couple of weeks because you're able to upgrade faster and get more points on the board quicker. And that's going to give you a bigger benefit overall than, you know, saving it for round 14. Another thing that's going to just be team dependent, um, obviously, but I think the main message is that you don't need to hoard these until round 18. Um, I don't think you should be holding any more than two going into the actual buyers um and even that as you've said might still be overkill so don't be shy i wouldn't go down to zero this round if that's what you're staring down the face at but um there's every chance there's going to be a situation like what's happening next week with um a lot of downgrade targets you might be wanting to just do two down one up or something um but essentially like that's what you're keeping one handy for at this stage and then probably going bang during one of the buys and and that's it that, that's your team done so i think having two at this stage is, is perfectly fine and then um planning for one more before the buyers one during the buys or if you want to keep both for during the buys just plan um put a plan in place it's it's so important at this stage right now a lot of people ask when we start planning for the buys do you make your team in the preseason with the eye on the buys do you trade in round three with an eye on the buys right now is where i'm thinking yeah. Who's going to survive? Who's not going to be there? Um, where are they going? Where are my trades going? Who am I upgrading to? Um, like, at what point am I going to be able to get this guy cheap or that guy cheap? This is where the thinking starts to evolve. And and honestly, as I said off the top of the podcast, this is where the, the, the players who put more time and effort and have played for longer are, are just going to make ground during this time. So um, super exciting. I just want to quickly have a look at a couple of captaincy Please. options before we uh, jump off as when I say a couple I mean two. <laughs> literally a couple. <laughs> um, I think I think Lockie Neal against West Coast is the most bankable VC of the entire season the jinx you put the um, curse on I, I mean I jinxed a couple of players a couple of weeks ago with JD and didn't seem to actually do anything they they, um, they went well so um, essentially Neal is super uber bankable Worst case scenario. No, don't, don't. Absolute don't worst, worst case, case scenario. scenario. You have you have to use a Melbourne oh, Demons okay. player against. St. I thought Kilda. you were going to give a score. I thought you were going to no, say no, no, this no, is the worst silly. case. I'm not that silly. Okay, great. I'm not that silly. <laughs> I, I think I think we're we're looking at a probable one twenty from you. Why? Is, is... Just after I say, don't put us. It's fine. No, no, no. Because no, a probable one twenty yeah. isn't committing to it's anything. Definitely going it's like, like putting it out there. Seven now, but yeah. It's okay. No, no, no. We're looking at a probable 120. We're all going to take it. We're all going to be happy. Worst case scenario, we're looking at a Melbourne player, Gorn um, or Clayton Oliver, who are both good. Or Cripps. Very good reserve <laughs> captaincy options. Please don't captain Cripps. I cringe so much when people captain Cripps. He scares I me. I mean, against Adelaide and Marvel, he, he, it's, it's a He's going to score well. He's going to score well. And so is Hewitt. I don't think there's really like, any scary. other options... There's one other Mills, option. Mills, because his ceiling is so high as a VC. Well, yeah, he's an option, but there's one other That's option. That's an obvious option? Well, it's obvious to me. I don't know if you're quiet of that intellect, but... <laughs> Go on. <laughs> um, Jaden Shaw against Collingwood. 
Yeah, okay, that's that's a VC punt. Um, that is worthwhile. Yeah, I think that's a good call by you. Yeah, so I mean, if you if if you really wanted to go short into Neil, uh, I, I'm not going to begrudge you for that, but um, I think Neil into a Melbourne player is the safest play this week. What about um, McRae? So, What's yeah. going on there? I, I actually don't know. I didn't watch that game because it was during it's the just port so game. He's just so outside. Um, he wasn't getting any contested possessions, yeah, so he wasn't it, it, scoring. It's well. just uncharacteristic. I think he just bounces back. Um, he has he's won that forty-seven percent right? of team. For, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, he usually does score well against us, but 47% of teams are, are licking their lips at the moment. He's got a 200 break even. He, he's probably going to just drop 30K-ish, 20K. Um, and you're looking at a, a McRae below five, 650K, which I don't think is frequent. Um, I don't think it happens often. So, um, yeah, non-owners licking their lips, I guess. Alrighty. I think uh, that seems very solid to me. Um Looking at that, like, Neil into Gorn type situation and feeling yep. like I want to call that a day. But, yeah, I guess uh, cool. it's going to be interesting this week. So a lot of people have, you know, 29, probably 29 players playing um, and potentially no loophole, depending on how the, the cookie crumbles um, this week. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun round, I think. I expect that we're, we're all going to do well again. Um, I'm looking forward to another fun and good round. Uh, and by the way, shout out to Gibkiss and DeConning for covering up our defensive woes this I week. I don't have Gibkiss and I got Perez's 39 uh, and it was awful. Yeah, Gibkiss and DeConning, two heroes um, <laughs> that we don't deserve. So appreciate them helping every coach out this week. Um, that's going to do us for this one, Pistol. You can obviously find us on Twitter as you can every week. I myself am at JB underscore DRSC. You are pistol at pistol underscore DRSC. And obviously, Chizo, the man behind the editing plan, at Chizo underscore DRSC. The main is at Dr. underscore SC. Please throw some feedback our way. Um, we don't hear from any of you guys, so just just tweet <laughs> something at us, even if it's slightly abusive. I think we can we can accept something slightly. So I don't want, I don't you know. can send that to JB. I'll just take. I'm I'll happy. Take the I'm ha- and I, you can send the negative. I take criticism really well. So if you've got anything that you want to ask to improve on, you can absolutely Sleep direct me that out to me. <laughs> yeah, pistol. Not not so great with the criticism thing, but I, I'm, I'm I enjoy it. So you know, we, we, no one's perfect, pistol. We can all learn. Alrighty. Well, thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next week. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.